I would have thought we'd be farther down this road than we are. Um, but I've also got to say I'm encouraged by a recent acceleration in technology adoption in the industry. And we've even talked about it a few times as a renaissance, a renaissance in construction technology that right now, um, even down to investment, I mean, people seeing that this is a worthy investment of their money mm-hmm. and um, funding venture capital so that companies can take a crack at this thing. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant. Welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast. You're invited to join my mission to embrace and share the innovations transforming the AEC, MEP, and manufacturing industries. My guests today are Eddie and Tyler Campbell, brothers and sixth generation builders who love construction, architecture, engineering, technology, and the trades. They own a BIM business called ABSI based in Georgia with their dad. And they are also the host of the Construction Brothers podcast, where each week they explore ideas and encourage people working in the construction industry by passing on helpful knowledge around projects and people. Welcome to the show, Eddie and Tyler. I just got really nervous when you did that intro. That was very <laughs> just saying. That was very formal for us. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you Welcome. so much for having us. Absolutely. How's uh how's it feel being on the other side of the podcast, Mike? Yeah. It's a little uncomfortable, actually. It's a little bit uncomfortable. I'm usually, I usually have power, and I have no power in this at all. So that's right. Um, You're gonna ask all of the deepest, darkest questions that you didn't want to be asked, Tyler. Yeah, I'm, I'm really getting nervous right now. <laughs> My goal is to make every guest cry, so it's, it's not successful until we go to that dark, personal place where you start crying. So. Oh, it's fun. Tyler loves to cry. Oh, perfect. Jeez, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I do cry. Often, but it's only because I work with Eddie. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so, Eddie, I understand you came from the field. So, what attracted you to the world of 3D modeling and BIM? Oh, man. Uh, not not crawling around under houses anymore. Um, so, I, I worked as a rod buster, um, kind of like, you know, remodeler, bathroom remodeler, general carpentry, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I had my, had my truck, my trailer and everything and rode around and, and did that for a few years. And, um, at the time I was going to school for, uh, my master's and, uh, you know, dad and I got to talk one night and, uh, he said, you know, maybe, maybe you do this. And, uh, it was one of those moments where I was like, yeah, you really think so? And, uh, so we gave it a try. Uh, the company was kind of a fledgling at that point. It was only about 18 months old and, um, so I, I came on and, uh, you know, the rest is kind of in the history books. It, it's, it's become something I, I loved. It's something that I, to a certain degree fell into, but, uh, it is also something that I really enjoy because of just, it's very gratifying to watch things come together, um, to watch things, uh, come together and then see them in the field. And so being able to like really exercise my brain and be a problem solver, that was the thing I love doing in the field. I, I liked solving problems. Um, BIM is a great opportunity to solve problems and to be a kind of a solutions person. So, um, you know, the name of our company, Accelerated Building Solutions or ABSI, was built around that. So that's uh, that's kind of what, what cranked it up for me. And then, um, you know, after that staying, it just, I don't know, made sense. Uh, it just, it felt like the thing I wanted to do. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Tyler, I wonder if you can unpack the the story of how you made your way into the the family business 
Oh my gosh. It's again by force. Actually, no, it wasn't by force. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of hopped around from job to job there for a minute right after, uh, right after high school and then, uh, came in as an apprentice and, uh, started apprenticing in the family business. And so that was back in 2012. And, uh, before that, you know, just working on projects with dad around the house and, um, even, uh, working as a carpenter's assistant, uh, there for a while, when I was 14, which is very Ron Swanson of me, and I, I love that fact. <laughs> I'm very proud of that. Um, I like that we got a Parks and Rec reference on yeah, the show, so well done. Absolutely. No, awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I was working as a carpenter even when I was a teenager, and so, and that's still something that I, I really love to do. Um, so, yeah, came into the company 2012, uh, started modeling and uh, learning from Eddie and Dad on the job, and then uh, kind of from there, you know, just branched out and started exploring design. Um, I love marketing and design and user experience and, uh, you know, just all sorts of things surrounding that. Mm -hmm. um, I really kind of started loving logo design a lot. Uh, so Aaron Draplin, I don't know if you've heard of him, but I love his work a lot. So he was a nice. big inspiration for what I like to do just kind of as a hobby on the side. But was able to integrate a lot of that stuff in what we do with our podcast and uh, just kind of an outlet for my creative, <laughs> my creative uh, juices, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's uh, probably pertinent to note, dad was a contractor. Yeah. Uh, so like 25 years plus, he was in uh, commercial general contracting, um, serving as anything from a field guy himself, superintendent, project manager, senior PM, uh VP, like he kind of came all the way up through that. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and owned his own company. We grew up in that. Like we grew up in that under our dad. So we were like, you know, like you said, sixth generation builders. I mean, that goes back to, um, pop who, you know, dad's dad, civil engineer, project manager, senior project executive at master construction. Um, you know, his dad, who's a carpenter, his dad, who was a carpenter, it just, I don't know. It was almost like by edict. I guess it's just in the blood. It's in you know. the blood. Yep. And we do have a lot. I mean, we've got cousins, uncles in the in the same business. So um, kind of runs rampant in the Campbell family, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. So I, I want to spend the majority of the time kind of picking your brain about BIM. But first, let's define it because it means something a little different to pretty much everybody that you talk to. So how do you guys define BIM? BIM... I mean, in its strictest sense, I mean, building information modeling is where you're going to go. Um, you could go to BDC and do virtual design and construction. But, I mean, honest, Tyler, <laughs> our opinions on that are what? Uh, we, we don't like BIM and we don't like VDC. We don't like those terms because <laughs> they sound like a bowel movement and a venereal disease. Um, <laughs> that's I don't enough. know what it <laughs> is. We're honest, but it does. It just does. And when I, I mean, started, there was no BIM. It was not BIM. And then they started talking about BIM all the time. I'm like, what? What is, what this? is this? And why would, why did it have to be that acronym? Why? Yeah. <laughs> and now we're on with Ben, ben Crosby over there at Yates. He's like, yeah. you know, the head, the head of their virtual design and construction department. Now it's VDC. And so that's no I better. Mean, yeah, I don't, I don't see that as any better. But I mean, defining it, I mean, this is putting together 3D models. We're put, we can put those together in different, uh, different ways. They can be references to how things relate spatially. They can be references to uh, what information something carries. They can be 
um, models that are used to actually push information into fabrication and production. And so BIM takes on all of these different roles, facets, and looks different depending on the software you're using, the hands you put it in, and the production activity and or design activity you're undertaking at the time. And so BIM is a very broad thing that we define by just saying, oh, yes, yeah, BIM. And I mean, generally speaking, people just mean eh, 3D. Or it's, and we call it this often, it's just a tool, you know? Like there are various tools to get the job done. It's just, it's just a tool. So if you could snap your fingers and change the acronym, what would you change it to? I wouldn't do an acronym. Acronyms are over, overworked. <sighs> yeah, it says the guys that own ABS, right? <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. You started calling Construction Brothers Podcast CBP and I threw up in my yeah, mouth a little bit there. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's true. I, I think I would just go 3D modeling. I mean, honestly, it's 3D modeling, but 3D modeling takes place in like the auto industry. 3D modeling takes place in a lot of different industry. I can make a 3D model of a Lego. There are softwares out there to do 3D modeling for Lego. Yeah. So what, why, why BIM is what we do in construction, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I would just say 3D modeling. That, that is the process that we're involved in. And then if you want to make it more process-driven, I get why people are doing the virtual design and construction because they're trying to bake in, like, the construction aspect, the design aspect, maybe make it a little more descriptive than just, like, it's a building information model. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I got a preference. I guess we're mad at acronyms. <laughs> Uh, what do you guys see as the biggest kind of benefit in, in leveraging BIM or 3D modeling? Studying the job before it begins, you know, like being able to, to make a study out of the project. I mean, so often, so often we plow into the night and, and we'll use like a 2D, you know, 2D system or something like that. And we, we're not able to really spatially recognize what's going on there. Um, and so, yeah, just, that's what I would say. Ooh, I'm going to counterpoint you. Okay. Yeah, please. I think you're wrong, Tyler. Shut your whole debate. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I, well, I, I feel like a lot of people go there. A lot of people go to like pre-con, right? Mm -hmm. So clash detection, design, let's be spatially aware of what's hitting what, but I like the information and the things that come out of the back end on uh, like fabrication equipment and production. And like, I, I love to hear a process that has gone cradle to grave, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's anything from yes design, yes, spatially orienting things together. But I mean, like all the way through to where you've got a facilities manager that can actually use this stuff that you've got, um, you've got people really truly producing on that LOD 450 level where the model is actually what things are being fabricated from. And so it has become a true virtual prototype. And maybe that's what we're really after is virtual prototyping. We're trying to actually make something I could build like for real that I could build. All I need is some process, some algorithm, some software to translate between that 3D model and the information it contains to the production equipment so that that virtual thing can become reality. Mm. And, um, and some industries are doing that better than others, but um, 
that to me, that, that is the power of BIM and that is where the thing is going. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah, and I think the construction industry as a whole seems to be getting closer and closer to that, where it's you're taking the model and you're having those direct links straight into the field. Uh, It's going to take some time to fully develop and and implement across, but it seems like they're starting to get a lot of tools in place that's more possible. The tools are in place. It's deplorable how long it's taken. I mean, having done this, I mean, 15 don't, years don't is not say long, how long you've been doing 15 this. years is not a long time. I'm not going to beat my chest and, and do the job site trailer thing. that I know, yeah. It's not a long time. And so that my point is not, oh, I've been doing this for 15 years. Now. My point is like 15 years, it's not a long time. But when you think about technology adoption, when, How, I yeah. mean, think about where phones were at 15 years ago. And where they're at now. I remember your old rugged Casio flip phone. <laughs> right? Think yeah. about where phone plans were at 15 years ago and where they're yeah. at now. So I, I wish it was moving faster. I, I really do. I wish it had moved faster. I think it had the ability to move faster. Um, but yeah, we're, we're in a period of adoption right now. And technology is definitely there to support it. What do you think some of the reasons for the slow adoption have been? Competence. I love that point is that everybody is competent right now at their jobs Mm -hmm. and they're scared that if they go out and adopt some other app or something else, they're going to become incompetent for a while Mm -hmm. and they can't afford to do that. Mm -hmm. I think that's the main reason for the fear. Um, I don't, I don't even really think that it's because people don't want to learn. You know, I think they, I think they do, but eh, I don't know. There's definitely some fear in there. I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, I mean, we're, we're an obstinate, stubborn industry too. And so maybe that plays into it some, uh, I don't know what makes construction. I mean, we've got a reputation for being kind of just slow moving and backwards in a lot of ways. And so that's a shame because there are brilliant people in construction, um, when you look at the GDP and how much of that GDP is actually comprised of construction activity, there is a lot of money in construction that should drive efficiency, but we're, mo- we're one of the most inefficient industries as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I don't know what it is that stymies the development and stymies the growth, but um, it, it's a very, it's a very broad industry too, because construction activity mm-hmm goes all the way from the, the the home builder that's sitting on his tailgate and doing his invoices all the way up to companies that are making billions upon billions a year. Mm-hmm. And there's a big gap there. So, you know, what 
what facets of construction are adopting this, what, you know, who, who's actually pushing forward. There are people that are pushing this forward that are probably way further down the road um, than we know of because that process is something that gives them a competitive advantage and they're not telling everybody about it. Hmm. Um, so I'm curious too, and, and just kind of going back to what you said about um, the construction industry being notorious for being slow and, you know, like slow to adopt technology and, you know, always over budget, always late. Is that a newer thing? Like has construction always been known as the industry that is slow to adopt technology, slow to, you know, get stuff to site, all of that? Or is this a newer thing? My history buff self just kind of like the lights and bells just started going <laughs> on and ringing everywhere. Well, like, I I want to go do a study now. I'm like, oh, I'm going back to the industrial revolution. You know, the pyramids. And, I mean, good grief. Well, yeah, build, building and construction been been around forever, forever. I mean, since somebody built a thing to live in, mm-hmm. it has been something that we've engaged in as an activity. But you know, I mean, as things have become industrialized, mechanized, and we actually judge them on efficiency. Right. We measure things and we try to economize them. And, you know, we go through and do process engineering on them. I mean, turn of the last century, that really starts picking up. I mean, industrial revolution stuff before that. Right. It'd be an interesting study, but I don't know how far back you'd have to go to where everything kind of even back out. And you know, maybe that mechanization of manufacturing. Yeah. That perception is no longer there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's very philosophical stuff. So yeah. uh, I tend to do that. Sometimes. It's kind of fun. Yeah. You're very deep and philosophical. I'm very deep. I've noticed that about you. Hence the crying. That's right. We're getting to it now. I like it. The tears are coming. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever, Tyler. Uh, so is there a certain size job that it needs to be in order for it to, to really start making sense to, to start modeling? $300. To take one from Benjamin Crosby. <laughs> it's, you know, I don't think that there's any job too small. Uh, it, you know, you will find benefits out of just modeling something as simple as a dining room table. And I know we've talked about this before with, you know, on our, on our show is, you know, I modeled our conference table before we built it. You know, and I didn't really need to do that, but it helped me better understand what was going on. It helped me make really solid design decisions. And, you know, Eddie, you designed your shed. Well, and, and you know, the conference table in here had, uh, you know, our conference table has a little bit of steel on the bottom that we had to weld together, bolt together. Oh. And like it's kind of this uh, cool design that Kyle, that Tyler just came up with. And then the top was this, yeah, I complimented you. It's I didn't, okay, man. I didn't just come up with it, but you know, I was going to correct you and make hey, sure you take the compliment and information. Take it as a win. Come on. <laughs> yeah, just go, man. I'm sorry. Okay, this is cool thing that Tyler found on Pinterest, and thank you. <laughs> then we've got the top that's made out of like wood. That I mean, this sounds so cheesy. This wood that was sawn off of our father's land. It's harvested. Harvested off of our father's land. <laughs> He had these black walnut trees, and he got, a, he got a miller, a mill out there, and he he made this. You know, he he got the boards cut, and we went to local carpenter. Uh, 
finished carpenter that we know and guy barrick he put the top together and then we went to a welder and he put the legs together and everything fit i detailed it out i made drawings and i gave it to people to build it was detailed during the design process and they knew what to do and they knew what to do and it's kind of funny because we do it differently in the industry you know we start with architecture and then you hand it over to the structural engineer and then you know maybe at some point a general contractor gets involved who knows you know and then the general contractor goes out to its glass guy and it hands them the architecture and the engineering drawings and then the glass guy creates his drawings and then they hand it over to the steel guy which is where we would get involved you know like we'll get you know we'll, we'll create a whole new model for this so we're creating model after model after model after drawing after drawing after drawing at some point why can't we just look at the simple practice of putting together a dining room table or a conference table and say huh that makes too much sense why don't we do it that way and i think that's one of the things that he and i've been pushing for for so long and our dad too and, and maybe it's because dad brainwashed us at a pretty young age but you know again bim is is that tool use that tool to influence your decisions and start detailing this mm-hmm. stuff out start understanding your project down to the nut and and we see so often that people will pass the buck and it's and it's a lack of understanding of how things go together and that's okay and I'm not going to, you know, say you should know how everything goes together. Like, of course, none of us can. But at least try to gain a better understanding. Ask. Don't be arrogant about it. And I think there's a sense of arrogance that, like you would said, like when we were talking about that history of, you know, when did we become known for this? You know, it's... I don't know. I, that's the way. That's the way I look at. That's the way I look at everything. You know. There's a lot so. going on in that that old chain of events that you just listed. I mean, to get from architect to engineer it, to yes. general contractor to sub, and so trying to maybe define that point or rehearse it again is. We just believe that the process could be more collaborative. Yeah. Like I, I get that there are certain points in the design process that we have to stay more big picture. It's not time to design everything down to the nut and washer. There are times that we need to understand that we're not there yet. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not looking at, you know, a, a design development set of drawings that, that I have, or, you know, some sort of schematic design something that I'm handing to an owner to just get general buy-off on and saying, well, that should be, um, you know, I should be able to know how to cut every two by four at that point. Until we get to automated design, we're not going to be there. Yeah, we won't. Generative design could carry us there at some point. But, mm-hmm. I mean, as long as we're having to do that ourselves, uh, as long as people are involved in that, that's, that's not going to be a possibility. But I also think that as the process goes, the process could be much more collaborative and we could focus in more on the details. We could get much more design uh, detailed in the designs. And then we could reap the benefits of this from the standpoint of efficiency and lessening waste and actually making a real 
field impact with what we're doing in a, in a model. So I'm curious on, with all the current disruption with the pandemic going on, where do you see BIM departments moving in the future? You're going to kick that one over yeah, to me? I'll huh? kick that one over to you, man. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> where do I? I Yeah, big brother. I have no idea. I'm not going to, I'm not going to profess to be some profit here. I, I do not know. I, I mean, I hope that things are going to get more collaborative. Um, I hope that the industry continues to um, unsilo its information so that we mm -hmm. can share it better. Um, I hope that we will see less and less redundancy when it comes to um, the process of the designers, the process of the general contractor, the process of the subs, that those won't be isolated processes, but that those will be integrated processes and uh, processes that are collaborative in their nature. But, um, you know, will we go there? I, I think we understand uh, that we probably need to, but um, a lot of what we see is still kind of like, hey, I'm a BIM coordinator. Uh, and my job is to make sure that you got your model. Did you did you load your model in BIM 360? Did you did you load your model in BIM? Like that is my job as a coordinator <laughs> to go chase everybody around and say, did you load your An model? Agar. Did you load your model? And then, yeah, well, we got asked. We got asked today. Do you need thus and so as a general contractor? Do you need them to to class check this for you? I'm like, no, I don't need them to class check it for me. I'm completely competent to class check it. I don't even charge for the class checking. Goodness gracious. I just need you to provide all the information to me so that I can get to it. That's, that's the only thing. And I don't even need somebody to police that. I just need a good process and a good platform in place. So I hope we start using our platforms better to unsilo information, to integrate and share out better, and then we start working in a more integrated fashion as an industry. Whether we'll get there or not, I don't know. I mean, I would have thought, I would have thought we'd be farther down this road than we are. Um, but I've also got to say, I'm encouraged by a recent acceleration in technology adoption in the industry. And we've even talked about it a few times as a renaissance, a renaissance in construction technology that right now, um, even down to investment. I mean, people seeing that this is a worthy investment of their money mm -hmm. and um, funding venture capital so that companies can take a crack at this thing. I really think with all the innovation going on in construction, construction is really the, the industry to be at. There's some, so much cool things happening and, and new technologies coming in all the time that it's, to me, it's really exciting to just kind of sit back and, and watch it. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software's Live Lab Learning, a virtual classroom experience where students can listen, interact, and learn from veteran real-world application specialists in real time from anywhere in the world. Live Lab is the affordable, convenient way for your staff to take Autodesk certified training courses and even earn some AIA continuing education credits, all from the comfort of your own office. Visit ASTI.com for more information and let them know we sent you. We just have to. It is a lot of fun to watch it develop. 
those yeah. walls. Yeah, we need to keep grinding. It's it's gonna come. We're gonna get there. I'm not like I'm not ticked about it. I'm not like I haven't lost heart. I'm not gonna go run into something else. Um, I just want to keep driving. Like I just want to I want to keep challenging. I want to keep growing. I want to keep learning. Uh, I want to share the ideas. Uh, and I, I wish we would all uh, sing. You know, we're kind of singing kumbaya here, but I mean, I think we all could get a little less combative and competitive, yeah. work together a little better. And then, you know, the sharing of ideas instead of constantly and consistently seeing every shared idea as giving somebody a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just go ahead and figure out? Yeah, they're going to figure it out. And they're probably days, months, maybe a year away from figuring it out or just reading it somewhere else uh, because they, they went to the great Google. Or they tried it out last year and found a reason why it doesn't work. Right, but if we're each you making know? breakthroughs and then sharing how we made those breakthroughs, yeah, then it yeah, doesn't yeah. get just like stuck well, in yeah, the back the file innovation. and abandoned forever. Right. We improve on the idea, try it again, and then make it work. Mm. So maybe the, maybe the idea was great, but the technique of how we carried it out was not so great. Well, maybe the next person will build on that technique and carry it out in a better fashion. Maybe if we shared that technique, we could eliminate a lot of waste across the industry. That wouldn't be a bad thing, but if I'm just seeing as that that is my my competitive advantage, and I'd never want to tell anybody about that, well, you know, I'm slowing growth down, and I shouldn't want to do that. I should want to I want to be more of a helper to the industry than that. So, what do you see as some things and um, kind of routines that BIM departments should be putting in place now to to set themselves up for success? and to bring down those walls. Get people out in the field more. Like you can set yourself up for success by teaching your people more and more about building and how components go together. Um, we'll use us as an example because we work in steel a lot. You know, we need to try to branch out of just steel. Like let's start looking at light gauge. How does light gauge framing work? You know, how do we hang drywall? How does, you know, pouring concrete work? You know, there's so many facets in our industry. And so if you're a, if, if you have a BIM department or if you're in charge of a BIM department, just focus on getting your people in, in out into the field and with their hands on the thing that they're trying to model. Make it reality. And it's, it's really cool to see that light come on when people see too what they've modeled in the shop. I remember um, Tony, one mm-hmm. of the guys that used to work with us, we took him down to uh, down to a fabricator and he got to see some of the steel that he had modeled. And he walked in and he was like taking pictures. He's sending them to his family. He's like, check this out. This is cool. I get to do this. I don't know that I've got a pat answer for, uh, I think we need to do X, Y, Z, uh, in order to make a solid BIM process. That's, that's very wide and, um, and far reaching question for just the different, the different use cases out there. But what I do think is that as people engage BIM as a tool, and as people start to just really, Um, use that tool and leverage that tool for actually getting something out on site. 
leaning back on that builder mentality, then things will begin to change. So I'm not a paper shuffler. I'm, I'm not what our dad always lovingly called a, pod, a project pilot. You know, I get, you know, that's the back in the paper days, but I get a, pay, a pile of paper on my desk and my job is to take that pile on my desk and transfer it to your desk. <laughs> project pilot. <laughs> that's not our job. We're not just supposed to move the information from your desk to my desk and my desk to his desk and his desk to her desk. That's not what we're about. We're actually trying to build a building and keeping our mind on that is key. So let's, uh, let's shift to your podcast for a second. Extraction Brothers podcast. Why'd you just start, decide to, to start the show? Well, we have a tendency to talk about ideas all the time. And so we decided to turn on a microphone and record it. Uh, so we could go back and reference it. And then it kind of expanded into, hey, maybe we could talk to some interesting people as well. And kind of going back to what Eddie said a minute ago is that we need to start spreading our ideas around. And uh, that's our hope. We want to collect ideas into this bin and just give them to people and uh, let them let them consume that information and do what they want to with it. You know, feedback, tell us what you think, that sort of thing. So we, we wanted to try to create this community and uh, try to reinstill some pride and some craftsmanship into what we're doing. It doesn't matter what part of the industry you're in. It doesn't matter if you're a welder. It doesn't matter if you're a BIM person, architect, engineer, you know, somebody that operates a screed, <laughs> you know, is pulling a screed out on the, on the job site. doesn't matter. We want to try to find something there that you can take away and, uh, and learn from. So, and, and find some community. As it turns out, other people actually want to have this conversations and listen to. And so that I think is, uh, you know, our, the, the audience out there, um, whoever we have that listens regular, semi-regular, they're curious people too. And, uh, I hope they're getting some good ideas out of it. We've, we've just encountered some really cool people. So, I mean, uh, if they're at all like us, I think that they are because the people we've had on have been have been great people and have given us a lot to go on. We talk about them nonstop, and we talk about their ideas nonstop. Like it's just a bunch of new friends that we have yeah. gotten. Uh, and we like that's the cool part. We're on a first name basis with all of them now in our heads, in, in our mind, in our mind. <laughs> they're, they're friends in our mind. I'll say Brent, that's you right. know who I'm talking about. <laughs> that's yeah. right, yeah. and it's it, that's just so awesome to be able to have that kind of that fodder, you know, just to go back to the well and say, yeah, well, so-and-so said this and so-and-so said that. Yeah, just you piece it when, all together. You, you remember know? when Benjamin said this? You remember Kamon said that? Yeah. You remember, I mean, Clifton, I, we're just all these people that we've talked to that were, I mean, they're amazing people. <laughs> and <laughs> we were stringing together a business idea too off of a couple of them. We're like, what if we connected this one with this one and this one and we would have the best company ever yeah <laughs> what's the biggest thing you've learned from one of your guests so far that has applied directly to the your your day job dang bro that's hard mm. that's a tough one i have learned a lot from a lot of people um keep filling the air no brian <laughs> I've, I've got a lot so yeah What's something is like, uh, one thing I'm cause I almost feel like I'm going to slight one of our guests. 
um, by not mentioning them. I mean, like Clifton, uh, Clifton Harness opened our eyes to generative design, um, which is like this really cool thing that made me want to really strive forward in our tool development in our company. But then Brent Darnell challenged us on an interpersonal level to work with people. And Practice that challenged, soft skills. Yeah, that yeah. challenged me on my soft skills. And Brian Kaplan last week challenged me on how I sell. And that, that just like really rejuvenated me for that. how am I going to actually sell what we do in a way that's uh, relational and genuine? Yeah. Um, Kimona Numa challenged us to look at databasing and information collection and breaking silos, breaking bad is the breaking, lecture he's yeah. given. And oh my gosh, that, I mean, that was a kind of a mind blower. So aha. yeah. Um, for me, it was Eric, Eric Reinhold. Oh gosh. Yeah. Because I mean, he's, he's that extra like creative spirit. And, uh, that was just kind of a, that was one of those gets for the show that I was like, Holy cow, we get to talk to this guy. This is awesome. Like the dude's got 500,000 subscribers on YouTube. Like that's no small task. Holy cow. And, um, but just hearing him talk about creativity and, um, hearing him talking about like curating and working with people to build these amazing, like just beautiful houses mm -hmm. and, um, just the process that he goes through, you know, I took a lot from that just from a creative standpoint. What about, uh, so Mike Koenig came on here and Mike was like, okay, prefab backyard offices, studio yeah. sheds. Yeah. And we're like, oh, oh, that's cool. And then he teaches us all about business, like all about this business he's grown and built. And I'm just sitting here as a, as a business owner, I'm sitting here just taking notes like, oh my gosh, this is such good stuff. This guy built a business and obviously knows what he's doing. And the oh. funny thing is, too, is it wasn't even about the building at that point. It was building relationships. Yeah. That's what that episode was about. That, that has been a common thread is the yeah. building of relationships um, and doing so out of a genuine heart. Um, so that's, man. So, again, yeah, that's again. the one thing. <laughs> the one thing. So. we've Yeah, we've been blessed with uh, being able to talk to a lot of cool people. And, um I just think that's the cool part of having a podcast. And I'm sure you've experienced this too, Todd, where you just, you get to talk to cool person after cool person. And, um, we're the coolest by far that you've talked to. <laughs> I know that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, you know. not. <laughs> Shut up, man. We're not, <laughs> but no, those like, people I'm talking to right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, um, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're the best right now. Right, 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 right in this moment. Yes. But so, uh, it's awesome, man. I'm going to flip the script on you a little bit. You guys always ask your guests the question at the end of your podcast. And I want to hear your answer. If you had 60 seconds and the, you had a megaphone, the whole construction industry could hear you. What would you say to them? Go to brospodcast.com oh self-promotion wow. yeah we had we've had a couple people do that to us we're like oh come on bro don't do that that's not what we meant that's awesome uh so i wouldn't say that because we hate that answer um <laughs> i would say be a genuine person um in so many ways we tr we try to work each other in this industry 
And so we're scared to death of somebody else getting our thing. And it just, it creates walls and it makes us crappy people. And so I, I like going home and laying my head down at night, knowing that I've done right. Like I've just, you know, I've just got this deep conviction in my soul that I, I need to do unto others as I would have done unto me. And I, I want that. And great businesses have been built on that. I mean, Ritz Carlton was built on that. And I mean, that's just that, that golden rule. Just be a genuinely good person to the people that you're around. That will make you a better business owner, a better leader. That will make you more empathetic person. That will make you a better, like, shepherd. Uh, something Mike Koenig really hit hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be it. Like, be be genuine and follow the golden rule. Mm-hmm. Good one. You're up. <laughs> Top that. <Dime>. man. No. <laughs> I don't want to top that because I, I, you know, we share that same thought and that's the reason that we started this is that we wanted to encourage people and we wanted to encourage people to treat each other with some respect and take pride in what they're doing and be craftsmen. Let's just get be like, let's just get back to being builders. You know, like, I don't care if you're BIM or architect or engineer, just be a builder, man. And ask questions and learn. And uh, encourage the people around you and try your best to respect the people around you. Um, and don't work people. I love that point. Do not work people. Just make a friend. Yeah. Well, I think mean, that's great. Yeah. Both spot on. So how do people get a hold of you for more information or to, to check out your podcast? Well, you can find us at www.rosepodcast.com or you can search on Apple, Spotify, uh, Overcast or Google Podcast for Construction Brothers or Construction Bros. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram uh, and Twitter at Construction Brothers, Construction Bros Podcast um, or Construct Bros on Twitter, actually. So, yeah, that's where you can find us. <laughs> it's like you've done that before. It's like I've done it before. <laughs> One or two times, huh? <laughs> Maybe a little bit, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, Tyler and Eddie, thank you so much for, for joining us today. I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Thank you so much, Tyler. Thanks for having us. And thank you to those listening. If you want to find out any more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. Until next time, I'm Todd Wyant. Thank you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Thanks for listening to the Bridging the Gap podcast. Enjoyed the episode? Leave us a rating or review while sharing with your friends and coworkers. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a LinkedIn request or follow our LinkedIn page and let me know if there's a topic you'd like to hear. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bridging the Gap is directed by Todd Wyan, produced by Alyssa Chartier, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2020.